Imagine being in a mega church of about 40,000 people, and your influential pastor decides to affirm same-sex attraction, or at least hint at the fact that God is okay with same-sex relationships in a service. How would you navigate that as a church member? How should leaders in all spaces prepare for moments like this in their own personal lives, leaderships, families, and organizations? That's what we're talking about today. You're listening to Above Approach Church Podcast, a podcast created for the local church. Our goal is to tackle tough church issues through thoughtful conversations like the one you're about to hear. Whether you're a church leader or a layperson, we pray this episode empowers you to play your role within the global, timeless family of God. This is Above Approach Church Podcast. Recently, Tanner. Yeah. Andy Stanley, a megachurch pastor, a clip of him preaching at a pastor's conference, I believe it's called Drive Conference, uh, resurfaced, if it hadn't already surfaced before. Um, There were rumors that apparently this clip was purposely hidden by the church and Andy. Mm. We can neither confirm nor deny that, but the point is, this, as leaders, as people in church, as people who are members of local communities, as pastors, as online content creators, as Mm -hmm. moms and dads... Mm -hmm. We need to talk about these things. We yeah. need to know how to navigate them. And so what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to play the clip. This is Andy Stanley talking. If you're familiar with him and his leadership, he's known for his leadership conferences. And um, I believe he does a lot of stuff with Craig Rochelle. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he does that anymore. But um, that's what we're talking about today is not just what is said, how it's said, how we should think about what's said. And at, at the end of this, just tie it all together and think of some applicational truths for our lives, because this is Above Reproach uh, Church Podcast. So we're just talking about church life, and this yeah. is a big church moment that has taken place, uh, and it's resurfacing all over the place. And um, I think we should be fair and understanding, but mm-hmm. also critical and stand our ground on the truth. And so I'm going to play the first segment of Andy, Andy Stanley uh, from the Drive Conference We'll let him talk, and then we'll talk about what he's talking about. All right, you're gonna see as we as we listen to him talk that it's very vague, unclear. Things Mm -hmm. are said that seem to dance around other ideas. There's no clear, um, I guess, stances that are being taken on certain issues. Mm -hmm. He's very good at hinting at things in order to not get himself in trouble. And so, um, this is what he has to say in the first clip. We don't need to get the next generation to acknowledge that. They assume that. But as long as they think that we don't understand that, they can't hear us. Okay. They just can't. Now, is that fair? No. Is it even fair? Should it be that way? No. But it's just that way. And and this is so complicated and this is so difficult. Now, if you're gay, don't hear me saying you're complicated and you're difficult. You're not the problem. The church is still trying to adjust to a reality that we struggle with and we struggle with it for good reasons. Okay, so we took this clip from Ruslan's channel because he seems to have the inside exclusive on this yeah, and sorry. can't find this clip anywhere else. But a few troubling statements were made, yeah. uh, specifically on the topic of adapting to cultural shifts that take place mm-hmm. in the world, how to navigate that wisely. He's talking to pastors at a pastor's conference. These are church leaders and shepherds who have oh. congregations. So this right? isn't just an ordinary Sunday morning. This is not a typical ordinary okay. Sunday morning. Good to but know. we posted in the beginning as if to say, imagine being in a church service where that take, takes place. I mean, this goes a step further. Imagine being a pastor, attending Jeez. a conference you're you know, trying to glean wisdom from, and you end up hearing this and walking away, and it troubles you. Or maybe it doesn't. The point is, he says things that make the church out to sound like the issue in this equation Mm -hmm. of what do we do with people, not what do we do, but how should we navigate people entering into our church who struggle with same-sex attraction? And Mm -hmm. different Christians are going to land on different viewpoints. Some people, and and, and the thing is we have to be understanding about this, because two Christians can read the same data and come to the same, come to different conclusions. One thinks, yeah, God is against um, homosexual relationships, mm-hmm. same-sex relationships, mm-hmm. and the activity that accompanies that. Mm-hmm. Others would say, I, I've evaluated the same data, and whether yeah. they're reading the Bible through their bias and their presuppositions, they do seem to conclude, um, as honestly as they can tell us, that, yeah, I don't see that as being a sin yeah. or an issue in the mind of God. Now, right here, um, 
my first issue, and maybe you agree with me, yeah, is that Andy Stanley is already calling people uh, or identifying and labeling them by their sexual orientation, by their sexual preference. So in- instead of saying, uh, for those who struggle with same-sex attraction, mm-hmm. and, and this is something for you guys to glean and think about yourselves, is he could have said, he should have said, mm-hmm. for those who struggle with same-sex attraction, but instead he goes, for gay people coming into our church, what do we do with those who are gay? Mm-hmm. We are not the sum total of our desires no. and passions. We should not identify, as believers who are new in Christ, mm-hmm. we should not identify with our passions and desires and sexual preferences as if to just be the product of those things. Um, another thing that should be said, and then I want you to speak into this, is not all desires, yeah, not all passions are good. Not all are bad, but not all can assumed mm-hmm. can we assume to be good. You're, in other words, he's already presupposing something that is going to leak into the way he communicates this. Mm. Yeah, it seems to be that Andy assumes that even someone who's new in Christ, they're still identified with their sexual preferences. Um, but your sexual desires are not the truest version of you. Hmm. Um, it sounds been like he's again. kind of settling on that. It does. It yeah. seems like you're born again, but you are still, and it's not true. Y- you are born again, a new creation. You are not your old sexual preferences or even the current ones you struggle mm-hmm. with. You are not the product of your desires and ambitions and, and passions that mm-hmm. you know seem to a lot of times be sourced in our flesh. In other words, it seems like he's constantly referring to someone as gay. And when you do that, it reinforces their identity in their own minds. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, it causes them to almost either justify that or make it a bigger uh, identity issue than it is by mm-hmm. labeling them by their struggle. But yeah. I don't, Tanner, if you, are, if you struggle with stealing, mm-hmm. which I pray to God you don't, <laughs> because I have a lot of expensive equipment in here. Yeah. <laughs> if you struggle with stealing... And you're a Christian. You yeah. are in Christ. You're a born again, new creation in Him. Mm-hmm. You are not a thief, no. because God does not see you according to your sins, mm-hmm. failures, desires, sexual preferences. That's not who you are. Mm-hmm. That might be something that you um, struggle, uh, with. struggle with, mm-hmm. same sex attraction. But I am not, and should not be labeled or identified with said struggle or weakness. It's or not sin. really fair to the person who went through that transformation and decided to go through change because I mean, how fair is it to call somebody by their, their past struggles or even, you know, a lingering struggle, right? Cause there's a difference. Like there's a separation at the point of being a new creation. There's a separation between past and, and, and present. So I think that's the there issue is. with this whole conversation that he starts out with before he even says anything wrong. There's a presupposition. Yeah. That needs to be that we as believers need to identify mm-hmm. in our churches is that some thought leaders, church leaders, and pastors, shepherds, they still have this idea that yes, I'm in Christ, mm-hmm. but I am still fill in the blank. Yeah, I am still my sin, my failure, my weakness, my mm-hmm. struggle. You are not. God calls you something differently, mm-hmm. uh, entirely different. He sees you differently. Yeah, He sees you in His Son, righteous, perfect, holy blameless, redeemed, sanctified, adopted, mm. forgiven. That's who you are. And mm. he's almost reinforcing the past identity of the believer now yeah. by calling them gay, by saying these mm. who are gay. You are not that. Mm-hmm. You have that orientation or attraction, but you are not the product of that. Sure. So it's already you know, starting off on the wrong foot. And so... Uh, I was thinking of personal experiences that I've had with uh, this whole adapting to cultural shifts because that's the whole conversation. Right. Is he's going, and we're trying to help you, the listener, think about how should we navigate cultural shifts. And I know some of you are like, well, I'm not a church leader. That's fine. You're going to raise kids who have to uh, deal with cultural shifts and things that adapt and Mm -hmm. and things that, you know, the the goalpost seems to move every year. Yeah. 
you have to raise kids in that environment, in that world. You have to lead an organization or work in an environment where they're going to have to change policy and laws based on what's changing around the culture and the world around mm-hmm. them. So this is not just for church leaders. This is for you as a, life. as a member of the body. Mm-hmm. And you're attending a local church that might be thinking wrongly about this. Sure. How um, do we navigate cultural shifts you know, within our society and culture? And then that's going to leak into our families, our ministries, organizations, our personal lives. Um, how do we navigate that? And yeah. I think the way we answer that is by answering this sub-question of when is it healthy to adapt to cultural shifts and when is it unhealthy? In other words, what mm. is the standard by which I measure and filter mm. uh, that decision through? How do I decide that correctly? Um, have you thought much about that? Because there's a lot we could say. Yeah, I mean, you have to test spirits, right? Like, you have to see what the, the fine line is with all these different, you know, cultural shifts. I mean, there's so many different cultural shifts. But I think one thing that you and I were kind of talking about is technology, mm-hmm. um, which can be a huge benefit, right? Or it can be a negative. And I know that you said that you had gone through something like that previously. Yeah. So if you want to touch on that. Yeah, just that uh, I worked for a church early on in youth ministry. And um, there was this tension within the congregation, not mm-hmm. so much the leadership, but within the congregation and the, the members that okay. there was this pushback against technology. Hmm. Um, some people demonized technology and adapting to the way the world is advancing in that direction. Sure. Some people were neutral and were like, we don't care, just <laughs> just keep preaching. Other people were so strongly for that, that it became everything to them. Mm. And there's a cultural shift that is, I mean, we live in a world that's all about technology in the virtual world. Yeah. And so there's no way to deny that, but how much of it should we conform to? Mm. How much of that should we adapt? And there are three categories. I remember hearing this from Mark Driscoll years ago, that there are essentially three categories we can place things in. Mm. It's, it's, you can adapt to something that's good. You should do that. Or, hey, we should not adapt to that. Or there's a way to redeem this so that it is um, honorable to God. You mm-hmm. know, so when it comes to technology, technology is not inherently evil, like but that. the way people use it can be for evil. So I shouldn't look mm-hmm. at the world around me and go, "What does the 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 average unbeliever do with technology?" I'm going to do everything the way they do. No, I should go. Not every person is using technology in a way that honors God, Mm -hmm. so I can redeem that and use it in a way that honors Him. But when it comes to things like, hey, uh, you know, society is all about, hey, same-sex attraction is fantastic. Give Mm -hmm. into it. Love Mm -hmm. it. Embody it. Embrace it. Um, That's who you are. That's where I go, no, that cultural shift is not something I want to adapt to. That's a trash that, because God's Word says something else. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, maybe the cultural shift right now is, hey, love and, um, I guess, be understanding of those who struggle with same-sex attraction. Sure. That's wonderful. I, I want to love people where they are. I want to uh, preach the gospel to people where they are, and I want to, um, you know, be understanding of, of where they're at and think through the way the way that they are and, and try and present the gospel in a way that's um, contextually well good for them, culturally, yeah. context <sighs> Preach the gospel in a way that's um, fitted for the culture. There we go. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, I, I, and in that older kind of Baptist church, nothing against it at all, but there was this strong headbutting mm. when it came to how how much do we really need to adapt to the whole technological age because God right. will get his work done without it. <laughs> God can. But yeah. I, I believe that if there's an opportunity and mm-hmm. you see something that could work better than the way you're doing it now. Mm-hmm. Don't just assume, well, the way we're doing it is the best way and God will honor that. Sure. You should actually consider doing it a different way. Pray mm-hmm. about it fast, get counsel, and then, you know, make steps forward appropriately as you seek God, seek his word, seek counsel, and consult him the whole way. Yeah. You know, so there's a way to navigate cultural shifts. Uh, and the, and again, those are the three categories. Trash it, uh, embrace it, or redeem it. Those mm. are the three simple categories. Get rid of it, mm. have nothing to do with it. Embrace it, this is good. Or change it so it's mm-hmm. honorable to God, because in its current condition, it doesn't honor yeah. him. Um, anything you want to say about that? Well, yeah, I mean, it's almost, it's almost like if you were to say, like, oh, we shouldn't create Christian music then, because look at secular music and all of the garbage that comes with that, right? I mean, there's a lot of 
drama and and I mean just there's a lot of filth in the secular music world. So then we shouldn't just create Christian music then because you know it's just used for bad. Or you know we shouldn't create Christian movies. Mm-hmm. Like we shouldn't have pure flicks and all or the, even the chosen and all these different things because some would say we shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like oh we shouldn't do these things even though we can use like technological advancements for the glory of God Mm -hmm. and to do our best to share the love of Christ and the gospel through it all. Mm -hmm. So yes, in the same sort of sense, I can use social media. I can use YouTube. I can use, you know, all these different things as assets, as tools to promote Christ, Mm -hmm. not necessarily to brand ourselves. I mean, you can in a certain sense. Um, and it can, you can do that in a healthy way. Um, but, I think when you're on the extreme side, you're missing a part where there can be a fine line. There can be a beauty about using the tools that we have been giving. So that's right. Yeah. I think, I think it could be helpful to the modern church. So yeah, Mm -hmm. but then it also could hurt us in many ways and it has. So for sure. And there needs to be almost a list of filters that you go through when you're deciding, right. Do I trash this? Do I adapt it? Or do I accept and embrace this? Mm-hmm. And some filters are, well, does it honor God? Mm-hmm. Uh, does it exalt his name? Does it promote unity in the church and strengthen the body and, and uh, you know, fortify the church? Mm-hmm. Uh, does it exalt, again, the name of Christ and, mm-hmm. and, and the gospel? Um, does it compromise your values? You know, these questions to ask. Sure. Does it, if we make this decision and adapt this, uh, will we be forfeiting what matters most, which is the presence of God and time mm-hmm. with God. And, and so there are all these questions to think through and you should fast, you should pray, you should seek counsel, yeah, you should look right. at the word of God to know what is the heart and the character of God when you're making these decisions. So, you know, this is the conversation that Andy is pretty much getting the pastors to think through mm. is, hey, what's going on in, in the culture is that there's a shift when it comes to same-sex attraction that's taking place quite rapidly. How should the church address this? And he's not necessarily telling them how to think, but uh, almost like he is subtly sharing his views, which seem to indicate this is how you should think. But he's not explicitly saying that. Yeah. And so we'll go on to the next clip, sure. uh, which I believe is right here. Please don't be an ad. <laughs> go ahead. Play the rest of this. Here we go. This is so easy personally. In fact, I don't know all of you, but I, I bet for 99% of the, the people in the room, this is easy. Personally, you know gay people, you have gay friends, you have gay relatives. You may have a gay son or daughter or granddaughter. You, you know, you do business with gay people. Gay people come to your church. You're not like, <gasps> in fact, it's the opposite. It's like, I think they're gay. There's gay people here. It's great. I love our church. Well, you know, I mean, and if you're gay, I know, just be patient with us. We're weird. I know. But, but you understand because you're here because you love Jesus. We've talked about this. Me and Tanner talked about this prior to this. Is, is this almost... Uh, overprotection of those who have same-sex attraction. We should yeah. be understanding. We should be welcoming. We should uh, make safe spaces for people who struggle with that to find a place of wow, love, mm-hmm. and this is this is the unity of Jesus, and I feel so accepted and wanted here. Yeah. But he seems to, and I've done this in my life, where you you focus so much on protecting one group that you seem to be against the other. Mm-hmm. He's saying we're the church. We're weird. We're the issue. Mm-hmm. Now he he literally says those words in the first two clips. Um, you're not the problem. You're not what makes it complicated. Talking to uh, same believers, it seems like those who struggle with same-sex attraction. But he's never specific. Like, is he talking about believers or unbelievers yeah. that struggle with same-sex attraction, or does it even matter? The point is, he's siding, not, not, but he's almost like making this this division where you choose a side. Yeah, are you with the church who's weird and complicates things, and we need to fix this? Or mm-hmm. are you for those who struggle with same-sex attraction and are you going to be understanding? And and I don't believe you have to pick a side mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. You should, like if you're looking at the church going, hmm, we can be more understanding. Fix that. Be a part of the solution as you are loving um, them in the process. Because what happens is you start to, uh, he's, he's not doing this on purpose, mm-hmm. but you start to demonize the people of God and make them out to be the big yeah. issue. When in fact... The church has issues, mm-hmm. and those who struggle with same-sex attraction equally as much as every other believer or unbeliever yeah. has issues. Yeah. We all do. The problem is he's so overprotecting of one group that it makes you walk away from this going, 
Andy, you you make it seem like we are the only mm-hmm. problem in mm-hmm. this whole equation, yeah. and and no one else brings baggage to it. It's just on the church to fix and adapt. For me, I I, I kind of got lost at this point because I was like, what side is he he choosing? Right? Because I mean, it seems and again, that he shouldn't be a side. The, right? I mean, so that's the confusing part. Is like it seems that he's like diminishing the people of God while trying to elevate, you know, those that are struggling with same sex, you know, attraction and things like that. So you have to do that. You have to do that. That's why, I mean, if some of you are confused when listening to that, I mean, I'm, I'm confused too. (laughs) I think it's because of how vague, you know, he's leaving it to be. And so, yeah, it's confusing. And he literally said, uh, you know, uh, there's gay people. I love our church. That can be a great thing or it can be a not so great thing. Mm-hmm. When you as a leader are looking out and and um, looking for a specific demographic mm-hmm. and going, this is awesome based on how many of those people or from people from those that community is attending yeah. our church. Because then it's like we are successful if we have X amount of people who mm-hmm. struggle with same-sex attraction. Yeah. Is it good just to attract them? Or is it good that you actually see sanctification and redemption mm-hmm. and salvation in their life and the unity of the church is being preserved in the process instead of being forfeited? Because mm. like you said, he's making this about uh, you got to pick a side. You're either for the mm-hmm. church, which is weird, and we got to fix that, or you're for those who struggle with same-sex attraction, mm-hmm. whether believer or unbeliever. And I'm just saying there are issues on all sides of the equation. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs to improve. Everyone can be more loving and more like Christ. Yeah. But there is a way to love people where they're at mm-hmm. without enabling sin, mm. without saying, like, I can accept you without affirming what you're doing as good. And so uh, that becomes the question for us. Andy doesn't explicitly tell the people how to do this. Mm-hmm. So s- someone needs to ask it, and I'm going to be the guy to ask it. How do we love people with grace, mm. but stand on the truth as Jesus did countless yeah. times? Because when... He hangs out with sinners. He doesn't change around them. Right. Actually, quite the opposite. They inevitably seem to change because of their encounter with him. Um, You know, you think about John 8, whether you think that belongs in the original manuscripts. But John 8, there's a woman caught in adultery. How that happened, I don't know how many witnesses Mm -hmm. there were. Whole messy situation. But Jesus, after pretty much defending her, says, hey, go and sin no more. Mm -hmm. Go and sin no more. And so... Andy, while his heart might be in the right place where it's like, Mm -hmm. let's make the church environment uh, more, not appealing, but more comfortable and more welcoming. uh, welcoming. Yeah. Yeah. Not comforting people in sin, but more welcoming of those who struggle with same-sex attraction. I'm all for it. Do it. But don't compromise values or sanctification or the word of God or the unity of the church in the process Mm -hmm. because you're only looking for a a specific specific demographic to gauge your success yeah you know where it's like we have this many people who struggle with same-sex attraction mm-hmm. look how inclusive we are success has a number of biblical success yeah has a bunch of other factors that are involved not just that and i think to answer your question too you know how do we have grace and truth in this whole situation i think i think in this specific situation if we're looking at what andy's doing here i think he should have pointed at both sides and would have and should have been direct rather than kind of looping around an issue or looping around a problem and leaving everybody in in confusion because if he would have just said okay for years you know we as the church you know we've struggled with this idea of same-sex attraction or same-sex marriage yeah and like if you would have said that and said okay but here's what we need to do. We need to, we need to be loving to this community because, you know, we have been harsh. We've allowed our, our self-righteousness get in the way of loving them. Mm -hmm. Um, but then on the other side too, you know, to those who struggle with same sex, you know, attraction, here is what we stand on. This is what we stand on as a church. If that is what he stands on, but you know, we don't necessarily, um, allow for, or we don't, we don't, uh, necessarily agree or affirm that sin. Um, and so I, I, that's what I think he should have done rather than, you know, Christians, you know, we're weird and, and you're the problem. And then let me, let me, you know, comfort this community because we've messed up so bad. So you can say both. Yeah. It's okay to be direct. You know, I I mean, if you're going to hurt some feelings, 
that's okay. Lovingly, <laughs> yeah. charitably, with compassion. The truth is not always received well. It can come off offensive, even when presented right. in the most loving way possible. But in the beginning of the clip, we didn't, we didn't share this uh, because I didn't think it was worth sharing. But sure. now I'm thinking about it. In the beginning, he, he talks about how, hey, guys, not just uh, same-sex attracted individuals struggle mm. with sin, but also straight, straight people. people. And it's like, yes, that, that's obvious. So it's almost like Andy yeah. has in mind a specific kind of person who he's talking to, yeah. a person who's, who, who's a boomer and living in the Stone Age and really mm. strongly opposed to like same-sex attracted individuals coming to Christ and being transformed. Yeah. And that's not the only person you're talking to, Andy. No. So don't paint a caricature of one kind of person in yeah. your audience. And this goes for all of us. There are all kinds of people you're going to interact with in your workplace and your neighborhood mm-hmm. at home yeah. uh, that your kids are going to go to school with, um, that you're going to encounter in church leadership. There's all kinds of people, not just one kind of person mm. that's opposed to letting same-sex attracted people in a church, and not just one kind of person that is all for it, but everything in between, and we need to walk that line mm-hmm. uh, with wisdom and understanding and discern through that instead of going... One side is against it. One side's for it. Yeah. There's all kinds of people in between yeah. who are for certain aspects and against others and ev- everything in between. So we can stand on the truth while being gracious. And I think the most gracious thing we can do is invite people into a better life through the truth yeah. by standing on it. But Andy never, throughout this whole clip, mm-hmm. um, never gives a clear stance on what he believes God says about the issue of homosexuality and same-sex relationships, no. and if that's good or if that's sinful, that's the problem. Yeah. Is there's no definitive stance. So you, as if you're a church member, looking at your church leadership, wondering, confused, kind of like, what does our church think? You can go ask, go figure it out. Yeah. Um, but but in the meantime, regardless of their stance, maybe you'll have to change churches maybe you'll have to help be a part of the solution that's on god leading your life right i'm not telling you what to do in that situation but i will say as you encounter more people who are coming into your local churches who struggle with this sin same-sex attraction you have to ask yourself do you treat them any differently do you show them any less love than you show the average unbeliever who doesn't know christ um, do you do you do you seem mm. to favor them and coddle them and almost enable them in sin? Mm. You have to ask yourself that mm. because this is not just on church leadership. This is not just on people shepherding the church. According to Ephesians four, is supposed to minister to each other and build itself up in love. And the leaders play a role in making that happen, but yeah. you do too. So don't just go. Well, my leaders don't. Or my leaders do. Be a part of the solution on whatever level you can in your neighborhood, in your community, in your workplace, in your family. Be a part of the solution. Stand on the truth. Have a stance. For goodness gracious, have have a stance. Stand firm on what you believe. And lovingly deliver that truth. But but it's better to have a stance than to confuse people on where you even are. Okay, so here is the next portion of cool. Andy uh, being pretty unclear. Seems like a nice guy. Just clarity is helpful, especially from the pulpit, especially at a shepherds or leaders conference. Someone so, that big of influence. Yeah, clarity is helpful, man. Some point along the way, and this is a process, and I want to talk, drill down on this one a little bit. In fact, I in my notes, I put, I was going to read this one and say, good luck, let's go to number four, but I, that would be mean, Okay. So personally, this is not a problem. You love people. You don't write people off because of their, their sexual preference. I mean, we all know how to love people. That's not it. But corporately, it is challenging, and it's challenging for good reasons. But we- What is unclear is what he means by it. It is challenging. Now, the previous sentence mm-hmm. seems to indicate loving people where they are mm. is complicated and difficult, and not everyone knows how to do that. 
I get that. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Andy, however, needs to clarify exactly what he means what is when he, he says about? it is complicated. Yeah. Is is the issue of same sex attraction complicated in scripture and we're not sure where God stands? Hmm. Is it complicated on how to deal with people who struggle with that or or me as someone who if I'm someone who struggles with that, mm-hmm. that life is complicated? Yeah. He doesn't really clarify. No. And if he is talking about the issue of is homosexuality and same-sex attraction is that against God's ideal if that's what he has in mind mm-hmm. um, he is making things more complicated than they are because from my viewpoint it is explicitly clear in scripture sure not just Old Testament New Testament as well yeah it's pretty clear that mm-hmm. God's ideal and what he considers uh, morally wrong and morally right it's it's clear in scripture yeah. so I don't think that's complicated sure I do Someone might disagree, and I understand evaluating the same data, we can come to two different conclusions. Yeah. But I believe that he's right about the fact that loving people where they are, not just individually, Mm -hmm. but as a community, as a local church, agreeing on a certain stance and loving people where they are, that gets messy, and that in and of itself is difficult because the flesh simply makes things difficult. Yeah. I agree. Or even where, you know, people who deal with same-sex attraction stand in the church. Like, are they in leadership? Uh, do we allow them, you know, to participate in certain things? I, if he's talking about that as well, yeah, that's a challenge. So, And that's, uh, I think, something we're going to touch on in yeah, a couple. Uh, couple points. Nice. Give, so give, I got that on my outline. A- <laughs> give you guys a little. Preview. So the next clip is going to be... Uh, making things more complicated than they are. We address that. Here is the next clip. I'll just read it to you. A gay person, when I say gay, men and women, okay? A gay person who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the gay community, I'm telling you, they have more faith than I do. They have more faith than a lot of you. A gay person who knows, you know what? I might not be accepted here, but I'm gonna try it anyway. Have you ever done that as a straight person? Where do you go that you're not sure you're gonna be accepted and you go over and over and over and over? Only your in-laws house. That's the only place you go. Actually high school for me. But nonetheless, (laughs) the point of Andy's, you know, uh, little little clip here is, yes, uh, I I do agree that Mm -hmm. in some ways it is, someone who struggles with same-sex attraction because of the history of the church and the, I don't know, overall pride and and, and self-righteousness that sure. the church can struggle with, mm-hmm. they might have some more obstacles working against them. They might have some more things to overcome just to enter into a Sunday service and strike up the courage to go somewhere, not just where they don't know anyone, but potentially where they're not even welcomed, even if they let people know, no, I believe the gospel. I'm just struggling with this. That's a lot. Like mm. I, I can't imagine as, as someone who is straight, and I have my own struggles and sins, and my own heterosexual sinful desires that are off mm. and whack all the time. <laughs> I can't imagine going into a community where historically, mm. at least in recent years, mm. um, people have been against uh, same-sex attraction to such an unhealthy degree. Not 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 saying just this is sinful, but demonizing the person and saying they're not even welcome in the congregation, that Mm. historically um, is something that they legitimately have to work against to go to a Sunday service. Mm -hmm. And I think the church has swung to the, a lot of local modern churches have swung to the other extreme. It's like, well, we've been so, we've been so full of bigotry the last number of decades. Let's swing to the other extreme and be overly accepting to Mm -hmm. the point that there's no repentance, no call to really uh, turn from sin, no even clear stance on what is sin. Just kind of come and get a moral, you know, word of wisdom today to add your life. Or even really like talking about, you know, or having a discussion about it. It seems that churches are afraid um, to have the conversations about um, same-sex marriage, same-sex attraction, like all this different stuff. I mean... You got to have the conversation at some point. It's it's in in scripture, so you know you can't you can't miss out on that. Yeah, we really can't. That there's there's wisdom right walking in that. There's a way to approach that. But he says a gay person who wants to attend the church has more faith than a lot of you. Now, that for me is a problem. Not because he isn't right in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. But because of the fact that he's 
belittling one group to elevate another. Yeah. Right. Those who are part of the LGBTQ community or or struggle with same sex attraction, mm-hmm. to, for them to walk into a church, and he doesn't even specify are they believers, unbelievers. That's what's unclear. Yeah. The fact that they're going into a church service tells me they have more faith than you. Now, if he has in mind an unbeliever, that's frankly that's false. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I, I I've trusted in Christ. They have not yet. They don't have more faith than me. They might have more courage sure. to do something hard sure. and scary than than I do as a person. Yeah, that's hard. Sure. Absolutely. But whether he means unbeliever, believer, that's unclear. The point is, does he mean the faith to step out? Mm-hmm. Does he mean faith in action in the midst of pressure and there's lots of adversity? If that is the case, Andy, I, I do agree that someone who struggles with this does have more working against them mm-hmm. in a typical church service because of the history of the church and bigotry and self-righteousness and pride and all that. But even again, like think about the audience he's speaking to pastors. Yeah. Again, like I want to bring that up again and again, because you have to understand who Andy is speaking to. This is not a regular Sunday morning, like people, you know, just ordinary people walking in through the doors. These are church leaders, pastors who are building up their churches and are going to this conference to learn about how to lead and shepherd their people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Andy is talking about same-sex attraction and that those people have more faith than these pastors. Mm-hmm. And if he means unbeliever, I fundamentally disagree. Faith is the wrong word, maybe courage. Yeah. But if it's a believer who's going, I love Jesus, I believe the gospel, I know this is a struggle, and I, and I want to overcome it, and I'm going to mm-hmm. fight, and I'm going to get involved in a local church— in that way, they definitely still have more courage than me yeah. and possibly more faith to keep attending sure. in some dimensions. But you can't make a blanket statement like that and say, because they're of this community and they historically have these disadvantages, mm-hmm. that therefore they have more faith than all of you and anyone who doesn't struggle with same-sex attraction and goes to church. Yeah. That's an unfair statement. But then even... It's an unfair statement. Even yet again, like, how, how does he know how to measure faith? Like... Exactly. You know, like, how do, how do you even tell that, you know, that community has more faith than your ordinary congregants who are right. straight? But like, like, how do you measure that? How, how do you look at that and, and say, okay, yeah, the these gay people, you know, versus these straight people... You know, this gay pe- people group does this with their faithfulness, and this is how they serve the church. Like, how do you measure that? Like, that there's no accurate scale mm-hmm. to really look at. So, yeah, quite interesting to me. I am not against like um, boosting the confidence and courage of someone who, yeah. you know, struggles with something and they're part of a certain community that, you know, has been demonized by certain groups. I am against creating sides to pick. Yeah. You know, will you affirm? Or will you not? And mm-hmm. then to demonize one and exalt the other. Um, I do believe we should cl- be clear on what Scripture says. But what he's he's going to say another statement at about the 13-minute mark. You guys can't see the video, but at the 13-minute mark, he's going to pretty much elevate the faith of this group again and those mm. who are of this community and again create sides. He's going to say their faith, those who step into church with this adversity and difficulty, they have uh, their faith dwarfs mine. And again, the issue is, as a church leader, especially at a pastor's conference, mm-hmm. why would you spend your time elevating the faith of some and diminishing the legitimate believing faith of other people who just simply don't struggle with that sin sure. and that that weakness and, and you know, temptation? temptation. Yeah. Because, um, again, it, this isn't to say there are sides to pick. He's creating sides to pick through what he's saying. Mm. And whether he's intentionally or unintentionally divisive, the point is you walk away from this going, yeah, am I going to side with them or will I side with the church that needs to fix stuff and get their act together? You know, you don't have to. We are the weird ones in some ways. We do have to get our act together and adjust and adapt, not in terms of conforming and, you know, compromising values, but we need to think differently Mm. about maybe church service or leadership or because we have to consider the fact that someone who struggles with same-sex attraction who is a legitimate brother or sister in Christ might walk in the door and decide they want to get involved in a leadership or start attending a conference or these questions we need to be prepared to answer Mm -hmm. at least in some capacity Mm -hmm. so 
even if you're not a church leader or online content creator and you're like, this isn't for me, this is for you, you attend a local church somewhere or you will or you're involved with some kind of fellowship Mm -hmm. and the majority of that group has a specific view. There is a stance that your group or community takes on this issue. Mm -hmm. And how do you navigate that? Is it right? What should you think about that? Um, Especially, again, I hate to bring it up, but we're going to be training children and raising this generation up in a society and a culture that doesn't just affirm and accept this, Mm. but they're uh, driving it down the throats of everyone who wants to watch or listen to any of their media. It's everywhere. And so you have to be aware and you have to know what you believe and why you believe it and how to treat someone who thinks differently. It's okay to have conversations mm. in your church service, yep. even with your pastor, yeah. even with your favorite worship leader in your church and go, hey, what do you think about this? I just want to glean mm-hmm. and listen, but also share my viewpoint. And maybe we can come to a decision about our local church. And does that even need to happen? That could be another side conversation. Yeah. How much should a local church member try and make their church make have a definitive stance on this issue. Mm-hmm. I don't think you have to just know where they are, ask them. Yeah. And then from there you can decide what your role is when it comes to um, preparing for moments like this. Mm-hmm. Where Andy Stanley gets up and says something like this and we go, at least I know what my local church thinks. Yeah. At least I know where my leadership stands and I can uh, prepare accordingly and play my role the way I know is best in that community. And I would add too, like if, if you don't know what your church stands on when with these certain issues, it could be anything like not even just same sex attraction. You know, most of the time uh, these churches will have their uh, declaration of like faith on their website and things like that, that will or show like their beliefs and things like that. Um, they'll make different points of, you know, what they believe that they believe the Trinity, you know, if they believe in, um, you know, the gifts and, th- you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. So they'll, they'll have this like list and they'll explain why they believe it. And, you know, if you feel like it's y- your church's, um, I guess the, the documents too vague, then you can have that conversation and I would highly encourage it. Cause if you don't know what your church, you know, stands on and what they believe, I think that, you know, is probably something you, sh- you should figure out. So, yes, yes, you should. You should figure that out fast, mm-hmm. uh, not because you need to sleep easy at night or you need to, oof, they agree with me, good, I can keep going. Uh, even if there is disagreement, there might be the potential that God wants you there for a reason to actually help with adjusting yeah. and changing the culture. And you know, So don't just go, well, they disagree with me, so time to find a new church. Yeah. We need to think uh, biblically about this and be discerning and prayerful mm-hmm. instead of just react and go, well... They don't like what I like, so I'm out. I'll yeah, find a it, church that does. Yeah. Finding a church that agrees with you on, on one issue mm. uh, doesn't mean that's the church for you. Yeah. Doesn't it, mean that's it, the church It for doesn't you. En- enable you to walk away from, from the mm-hmm. church. It's it's healthy to have these conversations, especially, you know, with people that don't necessarily agree with you. I think it's easy for us to just run away from these conversations because yeah. we're scared. So Yeah. And what's even more concerning uh, besides, and Andy, you know, if you're listening, love you, buddy. You seem like a brother in Christ that just trying to do your best. And yeah. Along the way, there's been some vagueness and un- un- unclarity, if that's a word. And mm-hmm. and I just I'm just calling you to be a little more clear and take a stance so people around can know where you're at. And because mm-hmm. you have a lot of people looking to your leadership and your content mm-hmm. for direction and taking your word as truth. And maybe there's issue with that. They shouldn't be so trusting and, and just gullible when it comes to that. But not everyone's as discerning. So we need to be thoughtful about how we lead and how we deliver and what we say. So here's the last clip um, that Andy is going to um, say something that I think is probably the most, if he, did, if he didn't mean this, okay, then I understand. But if he means this, it's concerning. Yeah, I think you wouldn't come to a conference like this or you wouldn't have come back, right? We are, and we'll be criticized for it. And there's no perfect way to do this. But I give you a hint. We do what Jesus did. You know who Jesus started with? Jesus never started with theology. Jesus started with the people in front of him. And he went from there. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're theology... Is he saying... Ruslan gives a commentary. So Andy, kind of the last comment I want to address in this episode, mm-hmm. is he says um, Jesus never started with theology. He started with the person right in front of him. Um, hmm. I fundamentally disagree, depending on what he means. Again, lack of clarity is the issue. Does he mean that Jesus' ultimate 
ambition and desire for the people was not just theology, but there were sure. other things that follow. A transformed life, uh, relationship with God. Theology is the study of God. Right, so um, we're not wondering did Jesus have a view of God? being God in the flesh? I'm sure he cared about <laughs> theology. I'm sure because everyone has a view of God. There's yeah. no way of getting around it. Mm-hmm. You might think he's not real, he doesn't exist, or he's kind of like a genie. Everyone has a view of God, and your entire life is going to uh, be a reflection of that. In other words. What I think about God determines how I live, right? Mm. Uh, A.W. Tozer says this in his book, um, Knowledge of the Holy, that what you think about God is the most important thing about you um, because from that view or understanding of God, you make every decision that you do. And if Andy is saying, essentially, theology doesn't matter as much, he's not saying at all, I don't think, but he said Jesus didn't start with theology. He's minimizing our view and our study and what we think about God. He's minimizing that and bringing it under something else. Mm. And I, and he seems to be elevating the needs of the person above what I think about God. The mm. problem with that is if I don't have a right view of God, mm-hmm. I'll never correctly address the needs of the person in front of me. Mm-hmm. I won't have the right heart when I do that because all that stuff is rooted in my view of God. Yeah. So if I get that wrong, the action will also be wrong or the heart for a person who has legitimate needs will also be wrong. So I think he's creating a false division here by saying, you know, choose theology essentially and study and be a scholar or choose to care for the needs of people. There needs to be a balance. I think you can't overemphasize one or the other. Yeah. They're, they're not mutually exclusive at all. They're not. Yeah. They're, they're meant to work together. Yeah, I mean, who's who's to say that theology is meant to be separate from loving somebody or caring for somebody? It's supposed to be the reason why you, you love somebody is because of what you stand on in your belief mm-hmm. of God. Because of who we know God is. Yeah. That's right. I mean, I can love you better, Jason, or I can love you know people better if I know Jesus better. Right? Like, mm-hmm. isn't mm-hmm. that like what we what we learn and what we what we see in the Bible all the time is, you know, first and foremost, love the Lord your God with all your heart soul, mind, strength, Mm -hmm. and then love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because you do love the Lord your God. Mm -hmm. Um, So you see it all across. It's a theme all across the Bible. Like I I love somebody because I love God because I know God's love for me. So, yeah. And if if there's a, okay, same-sex attracted individuals, believer or unbeliever, they're coming into the church. If a church doesn't have a right view of God, then they'll make the wrong application or they'll make the wrong decisions about those people that are coming into their church. They won't truly help them at the soul level. They might temporarily bring temporary relief. They might help some temporary physical needs, Mm. but they won't bring soul level eternal uh, help to Mm. their, to their beings. You know, these people, everyone, whatever sin you struggle with people who come in and, and are looking for truth, they need to hear the truth. Mm. And the truth is Jesus himself. And so it almost seems like Andy's saying Jesus started with the needs of the people, not theology. Wrong. Jesus was not always led by the needs of people. Yeah. Otherwise, people wouldn't have been disappointed. Yeah. And he would have met every physical need every person had and every expectation they had of him. He doesn't. He leaves crowds to go and pray and be with the Father, even though they still are waiting for a healing. Mm-hmm. He actually leaves crowds in Mark to go other cities. He mm. disappoints people. Mm. If if Jesus was led by the needs of people only, then he, we wouldn't see him leaving to pray. We wouldn't see him leaving to go to other cities. He would just be looking at every person in front of them and tending just to their needs. Mm. But he, being God in the flesh, has the best view of God, I would say. Yep. <laughs> and so he, everything he does and every decision he makes is going to be from that accurate view of who he is as right. God in the flesh. So the question becomes, as believers and leaders in local churches, okay, whether you're just you know an everyday, every week, Sunday member and you're playing your role or you're in leadership, as believers, how do we start with theology in our practical everyday life, especially when addressing these kinds of issues? How do we start with theology? And I think the very, the only thing I really want to say about this is to put God first in everything, which is why we mm-hmm. started this podcast. The first episode is all about putting God first. Mm-hmm. If he is not guiding 
how you think about these issues, then you will come to the wrong conclusions. Yeah. Because our reasoning faculties, the way we think through the world, the way we reason needs to be renewed and sanctified and purified by the truth of God's word. And if I'm not with him, then I will think wrongly about these issues, start on wrong, false premises and come to wrong conclusions and think I'm helping people when I'm just pleasing people and exalting myself. And so how might you say uh, the average believer in a local church, whether or not they know where their church stands, how can we start with theology especially when addressing these big issues. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, it has to start off with your intention, you know, with life and, mm-hmm. and you know, when it comes to the, these issues, is like, are, am I going to adapt to what the world is saying about this issue or am I going to run to Scripture and see what God has to say? Mm. I think that's that's the thing is because we can get so drawn to the emotional pull that the world can project right um or even different things that you know people will say about different issues you know whether it's um you know homosexuality you know whether it's uh, racism you know whether it's um drug drug use or alcoholism um when i look at these different you know big issues as we say um am i using the bible to filter it you know mm-hmm. am i using the bible as as a as a guideline to these things, or am I allowing my presuppositions, my pre-understandings, my experiences, basically um, what that means. Um, am I allowing my experience to dictate, you know, through my emotions, um, my thought process, or even in a church leadership position, am I allowing um, my emotional uh pull towards, you know, these big issues, um, decide what our belief is on it, or am I allowing scripture, um, to be the reason why I believe on a certain stance towards these big issues. So again, like that's why I have compassion is when I look at the filter of scripture and I look at these issues, I see Jesus rather than my emotions. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we have to run to because if it is our emotions, if it is our experiences and you know, a lot of you can deal with church hurt, you know, from things that you've gone through when you've heard these big issues, Mm -hmm. you can go through experiences outside of the church that were painful, that were hard. And then when you hear about what a church stands on and it sounds like it's a little bit contradictory to what you believe in, um, you have to find the middle ground, right? Mm-hmm. Your emotions are real. What you've gone through is it, it, it happened. It hurt you and, and, it, and it affected you in some sort of way. But then if I truly love Jesus, if I truly have faith in him, like this, you know, the crowd in between what Andy is saying, you know, these two different audiences, even though it's, you know, it's together, it's mm-hmm. bonded, right? If I truly love Jesus, I will look to Jesus. I will look to the Bible to see what he has to say about these issues rather than, well, I'm gay, so I have to some, you know, in some sort of way, like conform to. Mm-hmm. Um, or I struggle with same-sex attraction. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm struggling with this temptation or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an alcoholic, so there's no way that I can. No, 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 no. Like, you set those aside, and if you truly love Jesus— you will go to him and go to his word for guidance. So That's right. We should start with, if we have worldly assumptions, we're already off on the wrong foot. But we need godly assumptions that are found in the scripture. As believers and leaders in local churches, uh, we always want to start with what we see in scripture as the premise for any conclusion we come to. What does God say? Is this consistent with who he is? Uh, consistent. Um, and I actually want to read one, apparently this is a fella, um, who shared his, uh, personal experience on Twitter, I believe. Um, this is a text message that he sent, uh, regarding his experience with Andy Stanley. I don't know his name. I wish I had that information, but, uh, this is the supposed text message that he sent to someone. He says, I just sat in a dinner with Andy Stanley. And like 15 other pastors, hearing him talk privately about homosexuality is really, really troubling. Basically, he thinks uh, there are gay people who can't change. He wants to call it a disability. And he said a gay man who wants to be a Christian has three options. Celibacy, with no hope of romance or partnership. 
He makes that sound tragic as if romantic relationship is a basic human right. Number two, he can marry someone of the opposite sex, and he says that's a bad idea and rarely lasts. And number three, he says marry someone of the same sex. He said we should make room for those who choose option three in the church, and it's better than promiscuity. This was not a love everyone no matter where they're at sentiment, but he said that's as close to a New Testament framework of marriage as they can get. There's a lot wrong with that statement, mm-hmm. and it, it's, it's evident that that's what he possibly might have even said in this at this dinner. We're not entirely sure. We just take this man at his word. But yeah. even if he did not, let's say there is a church leader, leader who thinks this. Remove Andy Stanley from the equation. I'm a church leader. Hypothetically, I believe if you struggle with same-sex attraction, uh, that some— that you know, there are some people who can't change and God won't take that away. Or, you know, there's no real hope of transformation or sanctification in that dimension. So you have three options, you know, hypothetically, I believe you can get married uh, to someone of the opposite sex, but bad idea rarely lasts. That's what I say. Or you can have celibacy. Yeah, no hope of romance or partnership. Bummer. Or number three, you can marry someone of the same sex. And let's say I say, hey, you know, that's as close to a New Testament framework of marriage as you can get. That is fundamentally false mm-hmm. and not a good recommendation to people mm-hmm. who struggle. Because number one, by saying, well, you can remain celibate, you're almost making that a bad option. When Paul talks about singleness mm-hmm. as not just for those who are straight and not just for those who struggle with same-sex attraction, but singleness might be a gift to mm-hmm. some believers, it's not a bad thing. We mm-hmm. don't need to demonize it. To say that, you know, usually if you marry someone of the opposite sex, to give someone the expectation that that's going to fail miserably, according to statistics, is not a good thing to do either. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing he does is he says, well, we should make room for those who want to be in a same-sex relationship as believers um, because it's better than promiscuity, right? But something... Bad that is not as bad as something else doesn't make it no longer bad. It's still bad. Um, and he says that's as close to a New Testament framework of marriage as they can get, supposedly. Yikes. Okay. But the point is, that's not, it's not as close to a New Testament framework no. of marriage as they can get because that's not even what God legitimizes and validates as real marriage covenant, mm-hmm. according to scripture. And so these are not. Uh, good, I guess, ways to present your options as someone who struggles with same-sex attraction. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty evident in his, in this like sermon, if you want to call it that, yeah. that this this is likely something he believes, and it's not too far off for someone to come out and say this is what they heard in a private dinner with Andy Stanley. Mm-hmm. Um, and he- here's what we want to say in the end. Um, for those of you that are just the average everyday believer trying to live for Jesus faithfully, you have no church leadership position. Okay, talking to you. We encourage you, mm-hmm. do not place all of your trust in your church leadership mm-hmm. or your favorite content creator or your favorite preacher or teacher of God's word. Please do not look to anyone as infallible. Mm. Like this person has been right so often that there's no way he can make a mistake. Mm. False. Also, for those that are average Everyday believers, meaning you're not, you don't hold a church leadership position, you know. Um, I would, we would recommend, um, don't shy away from these conversations. Mm. Some believers do; they never want to have them. They shut them down when they're when they happen in 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 their home or at right. dinner or at church groups. They're like, let's shut that down because of potentially uh, what it could lead to. And, and maybe there's wisdom in shutting it down at certain times. Sure, there's a time and place. all the time, you're never willing to, to open up and actually talk through these things and hear yeah. another perspective. So don't shy away from these conversations on these kinds of church issues and cultural shifts. Some people are intimidated to have them. Some people are uneducated and they're like, I know so little, I can't truly mm. have a, a, a good conversation. That's not true. You can become educated. Yeah. You can learn. And maybe having the conversation with someone is what you need to be properly educated mm-hmm. and be discerning about that. It's not the only way to educate yourself, but some people are unwilling to learn. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'd rather just stay away from those conversations, keep my head down, know what I know, and mm-hmm. know 
nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, to the content creator, is there anything you want to say to a lay person, the average church member? And- yeah, I mean, why are you having the conversation? That's, I mean, are you having the conversation to um, be right or to prove yourself to be smart? Uh, For a good reason. For me personally, I'll talk about personal experience. Um, You know, I've had many different conversations about big issues with people. Um, Some went well. Uh, where we mutually, you know, separated from that conversation. We're like, well, you believe what you believe and I believe what I believe. Others, you know, I was young in my faith, like just started to like read my Bible, um, you know, for the first time and was on fire. Just, you know, so excited about, you know, the truth of the Bible and, you know, all that's good in it. And so in these conversations, I was, you know, scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture and like almost jamming, you know, truth down their throat with no grace, um, you know, and I knew that this person dealt with a certain, you know, issue in their life. And um, so I just, you know, kept on jabbing with scripture without any sort of, you know, grace or understanding towards them. And it broke our relationship apart, you know, um, don't have a friendship with this person anymore. And um, so really evaluate why you're having the conversation. Um, is it to be right or is it to um, have clarity and also to share, you know, truth of the gospel, you know, share the truth of, go- of the gospel, the good news, the truth um, in these certain issues, what the Bible has to say about these issues mm-hmm. and things like that. So um, I would just recommend for that lay person, don't, don't be shy from these conversations, but also don't force yourself in conversations that there is a time and place for it. And Holy spirit will let you know, is it the right time? Is it the right person? Are they in the right heart posture? Are you in the right emotional state to have mm-hmm. this? Um, do you have the right heart towards this person? Do you have the right motives? All these different questions when it comes to, and this is of course, not just should I start this conversation, but let's say it started and you're like, should I continue in this? Mm-hmm. You know, we're saying be wise, don't mm-hmm. just automatically shut down and say, I need to shy away every time. Sure. But don't always be like, yes, my opportunity to shove scripture down mm-hmm. people's throats. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the church leader, um, bro, you need to stand on the truth. You you cannot compromise. You cannot, mm-hmm. you can't continue to be unclear to your people for much longer. Mm. Um, because this issue is becoming, not issue, but this this conversation is becoming more prevalent and more important to have, and you need to essentially know why you believe what you believe according to Scripture Mm. and be able to communicate that to people. You don't need to preach about same-sex attraction every Sunday and Mm. make a a, a jab at that, but stand on the truth. Don't compromise your values. Uh, Be like, Let your conscience be clear. When you come to a Mm. conclusion and share that, make sure that that is a true and legitimate conclusion uh, you think is reasonable to come to when you look at the scripture, be honest, Mm. uh, and have grace, be willing to learn. My friend, Mm. you might think, you know, everything you need to know, according to scripture about this topic. Uh, the fact that you think that is probably an indication you, you, you could learn more. Um, so be willing to learn. Don't compromise, uh, be understanding, but not naive and gullible. Um, in my notes, I wrote, don't be stupid, but (laughs) understanding. Okay. Reasonable, charitable, kind. Um, and just, you know, you also don't shy away from the conversations, but don't hammer this yeah. as if that's the what your church is known for. Mm-hmm. You know, for the content creator, for those that are are preaching, leading Bible study groups, facilitating uh, devotionals, or you're making content on TikTok mm-hmm. or YouTube or whatever it is, um, you're making music and you're trying to be theologically sound. Be careful what your content communicates about your views. Mm-hmm. Be careful about how much you choose to, uh, I guess, announce your views in your content. Sure. Um, Especially on certain taboo issues, but also on gray area issues um, and and things like this where you and I, a lot of people who are listening to this will agree with my view on on, on scripture when it comes to same-sex attraction and homosexual relationships. And and there are others who will go, I disagree. That's, That's absolutely fine. But when you're making content, um, make sure that you're not always beating the same drum. It's mm. like, well, he's going to talk about Matthew. We know he's going to connect it to same-sex attraction and mm. homosexual desires. If you have a ministry directed toward those people, that's that's a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But if if you're someone who's making content with art, graphic design, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, we can expect them to talk about this, you should you should probably uh, dial it back a bit, okay, and change your approach a little bit. It doesn't mean never let your your views be reflected in your content or your in, in your art. It just means your art doesn't always have to reflect a certain aspect of what you believe. Mm. Um, so that's what we just want to encourage you guys with man we're going to do a part two because there's a lot more andy stanley says okay so this is not the only podcast since this is making the headlines lately and it's resurfaced we're going to make another episode on this it's going to be released um next week so stay tuned for that you're going to really want to listen to uh this is more about the aspect of church leadership and taking public stances on issues and and how to navigate this Mm -hmm. And, and we're going to address that in a little more depth and so um, we encourage you guys to make sure you tune in for that episode when it releases and when it drops, be there. Let us know, like hit us up on Instagram, uh, aboveapproachministry.com. You can email me, you can contact us with questions, with thoughts. We'd love to know what you guys think about the podcast so far. And it'd be helpful if you guys rate this podcast, whether you're listening on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcast, rate it, uh, review it, whatever the technical term is. Uh, give us five stars, obviously, nothing less, <laughs> and let us know, uh, let let the algorithm know this is worth watching. All right? Thank you guys for listening, and you guys keep moving towards Jesus. Hey, thanks for listening to today's Above Reproach Church podcast. If you've benefited from this content or this ministry in any way, there are a number of ways you can support what we're doing to help people move towards Jesus. We're completely funded by generous supporters like you, so if you'd like to partner with us financially, you can head to aboveapproachministry.com slash donate, and you can give through debit or credit card, you can give through PayPal, Venmo, Patreon, or even just mail a check to P.O. Box 338, Green Cove Springs, Florida 32043. Or grab some of our church merch to represent Jesus on your body wherever you go. Either way, while you're on the website, check out all of our free resources, our online church, my book Fruitful, as well as everything else going on in our online ministry. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep moving towards Jesus.